Oh, what is up? Welcome to Bringing the Backups. I'm your host, Eric Helwig. On the show today, it's another podcast rewind. Oh, how the times have changed. This podcast will change. Uh, I think I've got an idea of what the new name is going to be here coming up in the next couple months. Uh, you know, it's it's a lot of work to kind of get the full video and the, the dream realized for how we want the thing to look. But you guys should be excited. And as I told you two weeks ago, stay subscribed. Stay subscribed um, so that when the new stuff starts to drop, when I start doing promos coming up here, you get to be first in line for it. Uh, I do want to tell you about some dates I have coming up stand-up-wise. This is cool. Uh, this is on... Uh, August 31st, that's a Wednesday, I'm at Beach House in San Diego opening up for Liz Mealy. On Friday, September 2nd, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, it's La Berge Del Mar. So some hotel in Del Mar called La Berge Hotel. Uh, I'm doing a show there. It's a PG-13 show. So I think that means you can like bring your kids. It's a free show. Get there early. La Berge Hotel. Uh, all this information is on my website if you want to check it out, Um I don't know how. I'm supposed to do 20 minutes of clean material. I I don't know if I can talk about, what, with my dog for that long? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to do it, but I agreed to do it, and now I'm kind of freaking out. So that might be a fun one to come to if you want to see me crash and burn and then say cunt in front of a bunch of 10-year-olds uh, by mistake <laughs> and slink away in shame. Uh, La Berge Hotel in Del Mar, California is probably uh, where you want to be <laughs> on Friday, September 2nd for that show. Both shows, Beach House and La Berge, are free. And then another free show is on September 6th. That's my show, Barely Make It at LA, is coming back. We have a new location in Glendale. It's called the Glendale Tap. Some big surprise drop-in guests coming by for our first show. This is on September 6th. Come out, tickets for all three of these shows, and then the other ones I'm, gonna, I'm sure I'll book more um, in the coming days here. Uh, all those are going to be available. Follow me on my Instagram, at Eric Helwig, or go to my website, erichelwig.com, where you can get tickets for everything. For the podcast Rewind today, I'm throwing back to maybe my favorite episode of the show ever, which is where I talked to Jabron Hamden, who was the star quarterback at my high school when I was a freshman he was a senior and he went on to play in the NFL very fun artistic uh guy easy to talk to we had a great time on the podcast it was really if I'm if I'm being honest as I kind of acknowledge that this podcast is switching off the backup quarterback theme here in the next coming uh year uh He's the only guy I really got to come on the show. Like, I asked, like, 40 different quarterbacks to come on the show, and Jabron was the only one that had a sense of humor about his time in the NFL. Uh, so in that way, I feel like he's a very unique guy. And yeah, honestly, I might even try to have him back on my regular podcast when he, uh, if he's ever in L.A. So enjoy the rewind. I'm, I'm really, really proud of this episode, and I think it's going to be a good re-listen. I mean, hopefully. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think I... There's nothing cancelable that I said a year ago. The things haven't changed enough in a year. And by the way, even if there is, okay, fuck it. What are we gonna go back and whitewash our history and pretend like we didn't think or say things we thought we did? Okay, we're all human. It's very dangerous in comedy now to be posting old videos of yourself, but I'm doing it. 
I have no idea what I said in this podcast. I have not reviewed it. I don't give a fuck. So enjoy the episode. Enjoy Gibran. Uh, because I'd, like I said, I think he's a, uh, I think he was a great interview and a, a great guest on the pod. And, uh, as always, if you want to support me, I already said it, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm releasing content now multiple times a week. Uh, and then you can also go to my website, Eric Hellig, where you hop on my tour dates, you sign up for my newsletter, bands in town, all that fun stuff, grab some merch as well, if you like. So all that is an option for you guys. Uh, if you would like to support, it is greatly appreciated. All right, with that, we're going to get to the Rewind episode. Enjoy it. Thank you for staying subscribed, everybody. I appreciate it, and I promise it's going to pay off when the the new version of this show uh, kicks off here. All right, thanks, guys. This episode of Bringing the Backups is brought to you by Are You Sure? The Films of Pauly Shore, a brand new podcast hosted by a friend of our show, Joe Schappa, who's written for True TV, MTV, and IFC. The new podcast features a different guest each week talking with Joe about one of Pauly's movies. And there are only six episodes. I don't know if there's six Pauly Shore movies, but there's six episodes. And if you haven't seen any of Pauly Shore's movies, do not worry. You will still understand what's going on because comedy is not that complicated, right? Like, you'll get it. Like, you're not dumb. So anyway, you can find this podcast today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Amazon Music. Are you sure? The films of Pauly Shore with the hilarious Joe Shappa. Check that out. Oh, what is up? Welcome to Bringing the Backups. I'm your host, Eric Helwig. On the show today, we actually have a quarterback with us, Jabron Hamden. We are so excited. Uh, Jabron, uh, his NFL statistics, one for two for seven yards, couldn't be more perfect for this podcast. And we get in-depth on so many things in the inter- on the interview. I'm so excited for it. It's obviously a big thing for the show to have a, a big guest like this on, an actual NFL veteran, our first one to do the show. I want to get through a little bit of business before we actually get it rolling here. Number one, my friend Meredith is going to hop into this show as well. My friend Meredith, you can follow her at big underscore mayor on Twitter. She's also, uh, you're going to hear her on the show, When Nature Calls with Helen Mirren, currently running on ABC, Thursdays at 8 p.m. Very funny uh, comedian. I also want to very quickly uh, thank everybody that's been reviewing the show. We're at 195 on Apple Podcasts reviews right now. Let's get to 200. 200 is going to be, big things will happen for us at 200. I'm seeing a big deal with Nike. I don't know why the fuck Nike would sponsor an audio podcast, but maybe they will. Who knows? But yeah, keep supporting that show. If you have any feedback on the show as well, you can always reach out to me, Comedy at Gmail. Uh, let me know what you're thinking. If there's guests you want to hear on the show, if you know if you're best friends with Clint Stoner or Stony Case or any of these goofy named quarterbacks that I would love to have on the show, you know, connect us. Eric Hellwood Comedy at gmail.com. We're gonna get into the show right now. It's a huge episode. We're so excited to have Jabron in. So it's gonna be a quick intro to the show you know usually i used go 40 minutes talking about my life but fuck my life we're getting right to the backup this time so let's start this show 
hang out. You're going to be glad you stayed for this one. This is Bringing the Backups with Eric Helwig. All right. Welcome to the show, everybody. Oh, shit. I left the door open. Hang on. This will be the worst intro to a podcast ever. Hang out here while I go close my door. Hang on. I'm going to leave all of that in. I'm going to leave in all of that crap in. Can you imagine like you set up for a podcast? You get your little list of things you want to talk about. Oh, I got to make sure I cover this and this and that. And then you forget to close the fucking door to the room you're in. So you literally start the show <laughs> three seconds in and have to... I, I, I'm, here's the thing. I'm not going to re-record, all right? I'm trying to get to a place here where you guys just get... You get the raw feed. You get the raw cut. All right, so so that, that stays. You're going to hear me start the show. And literally two minutes in, two seconds in, go, oops, so fine, whatever. That's what it is, right? I'm not going to judge myself. I am going to give you guys a little preview, though. I am so happy to have Jabron Hamden. On the podcast today, my first NFL quarterback, baby. Woo! I did it. All me. <laughs> no, I, we, if anybody follows the, uh, the Instagram page for bringing the backups, which you should, it's just at bringing the backups on Instagram. You can see it yourself. I posted a, a photo of Jabron. This was maybe a month ago. And he started commenting on it, and it all happened right in public. He basically, I offered him the show. He didn't respond for a little bit. Clearly, and you'll hear in the interview, he listened to a few episodes as he starts to insult me off things I've said on the show relatively early on in the interview. He did his research and decided to come on the show, and it was a, it's a fucking great conversation, right? We go for almost a little over an hour, I believe, and uh, he was just a great guest, uh, you know, so I'm excited. Thank you guys for, you know, listening to the show, I guess, or but I don't know how much I should be thanking you. I mean, I'm the one doing the work. You, you know, you're welcome. Uh, how about we go with that? But anyway, uh, Jabron also, usually I, I, I tell people like, follow the person, but he made a very, <laughs> he made it very clear. He does not want your follows on social media, but if you do like the show today, do me a favor. It's jabron at jabron.com. So it's G-I-B-R-A-N at G-I-B-R-A-N.com. Write to Jabron, email him, and just tell him what you thought because he very much appreciates uh, people's feedback. That's that's what he said he uh, he's valuing. That's what he wants to – I think he honestly did the podcast to help me out because he's a, he's a cool guy. Jabron at Jabron.com. And check out his, his website, too, because he's got some really cool shit on there, man. His, he does uniform redesigns. It's funny. He was, like, telling me the story of just going and, like, hanging out, playing, like, I guess, Madden, but not even playing the game, just redesigning the logos. I used to do that when I was a kid. Like, that's easily, like, some of the most fun part of franchise modes, if you're playing, like, I think he was maybe said he did it on college, but I did. I used to do it on Madden. But, yeah, creating your own team, making the uniforms, that's, like, the best part 
of so much of those games. I just I thought it was cool, man. And you can see some of the stuff he's designed on his website just for fun. He did Gucci. There's like a Gucci football uniform. There's an Alaska Airlines football uniform we chat about. He just put out a Bengals design today. Or is today, maybe yesterday. It looks better than the Bengals uniforms. Let's go ahead and just... I mean, who's in charge in Cincinnati? I mean, here's the guy. Hire Jabron. Let's do it. Let's get some better uniforms in the NFL. It's simple, modern, but simple. That's what you need. You got to get a throwback to the old times, the simpler times. That's how I feel. I want to do some quick thanks as well. Uh, I, I did some... Man, LA comedy is... Uh, it's coming back. Slow, slow and steady wins the race would be how, how we've come back from our, our love of our mask here on the West Coast. But I'm telling you, just doing live shows, uh, my, uh, my friend Matt Cole runs a show uh, down in Fullerton. Which all I, all I think of is like, is that that song from Homegrown where they're like, somewhere down in Fullerton, there's a place we used to go to get away from it all. I think that must be, that must be the same place. I don't know. Are there other places named Fullerton in places where pop bands grew up? That has to be Fullerton. Anyway, whatever. I did a show with him in Fullerton that was really fun. My friend Valerie, a hilarious comic, put me on a show up at the Comedy Chateau in North Hollywood that was awesome. It was like a sold-out show with an audience in a great room. They have a great setup at the Chateau. And I was just like, God damn, we're back. We're, we're, we're back. We're rolling. It's the, the, the Zoom shows can suck a dick. It's gone. They're, they're done. <laughs> I'm saying no. I'm, I'm holding fast to saying no to these fucking virtual shows because I'm telling you the real life ones are happening and my God, it has been uh, so much fucking fun. I just, I think I talked, I think I said it on the podcast a couple episodes ago, but it just makes you happy, you know, to have this thing gone from your life for as long as it was. And then all of a sudden here you are doing stand up and, making people laugh and meeting people after the show. And it, it's just, it's just back to your life, you know? And for, you know, for me, that's the thing I like doing the most in my life. So it's been fucking great. And I'm, I'm so thankful for the opportunities I've had to just get up on stage recently. It's like, I feel reborn in a way. I even, uh, yeah, as you guys know, I'm from New York and I used to perform at Broadway comedy club, uh, there in the city. Apparently, a guy reached out to me. I guess I won't say his name yet because I don't know if he's advertising himself, but a guy reached out to me to audition for Broadway Comedy Club, and I, I wanted to be like, oh, you know you can't call it that because there's already a Broadway Comedy Club in New York. I'm an idiot. Broadway Comedy Club is coming to L.A. They're opening up a, a location in Santa Monica, and he was asking me to audition for the one here, which I got passed at, so I'm going to be getting spots at Broadway Comedy Club on both coasts, which is great. Every time I go home, I can do one in New York. And uh, while I'm out here, I've got one in Santa Monica. But it's just exciting. It's just exciting to feel like shows are a fucking thing again. I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm just so happy, guys. That's, like, that's always good comedy, right? When a comic walks on stage and they're like, I love my wife and I, you know, it's... <laughs> We're the best. You're just like, fuck you. It's so hard. Like, so many comics worry about, like, can I just, can I just live a good life and still be funny? 
can I do things? It's such a, yes. The answer is yes. Go become, like, I, I remember when I was really an idiot starting in stand-up. I was like 20, this is before, this is like when I was really starting. I was 22, 23 the first time I was starting it. And the idea of like therapy, I was like, oh, that's going to hurt it. Like if I fix the things that are, those, those are the things that make me funny. I don't want to fix those things. And it's such, such a dumb way to, to think. Because the truth is, is like when you go to therapy, you don't fix anything. You're just, you're just more aware of it as it happens. And if anything, it, it gives you a chance to like harness your fucking usually trauma or pain or whatever. And you get to harness it on stage. You get to use your anger for good. You know, like, like me punching a hole in my wall two months ago, bad. Me yelling at an audience and making them laugh because I think they're, uh, you know, dumb for trying to pursue acting at the age of 60. Good. It's good to use the, the angst has to come out some way. You know, the teapot will boil, right? When it makes that little noise, I can't do it. Like when it's ready to go, boop. All right, look, I'm not exactly the fucking dude from the Police Academy movies with these sound effects, all right? I can't be a fucking Swiss army knife of talent, all right? I got a good voice. I can do stand-up. I can't do the fucking sound effects. I'm not going to get on myself for that. Another quick shout out to uh, Colby Dant, who's a new friend of mine. He, uh, he, I found a podcast. I found a podcast for Army football. Which, I mean, how fucking Army? How how how? When do you find those? They don't exist. There's like as for football, which I'm, I'm a fan of those guys. I'll give them a shout out. Um, and then that's it. And then this guy popped up. It was like the Army Black Knights 2021 season preview. I was just googling army football to try to fall asleep at night and you know not think of my father yelling at me when I was a child and I was like oh my god it's like a 40 minute podcast breaking down the team and it's like a it's a great it's just a broed out sports show and I was like I wrote the guy I was like hey man if you ever want to talk about any Mac teams I fucking love shitty non-power five conference football I'll talk about any of those teams with you and so he did, man. I went on his show. We talked about the Eastern Michigan Eagles with their gray field up at the factory in uh, Ypsilanti, Michigan. Ypsilanti? Who gives a fuck? But the point is, uh, it was amazing. We had such a good time. I ended up doing a show with him and Sean Green. I think the, the umbrella for that show is the Sports Gambling Network. No, maybe the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I think that's what it is. Um. But yeah, those guys have like a little crew that they run with and they just talk. I just love, because like it's a betting show, which I don't know shit about betting. But I guess Colby's running this show where he's just previewing all the teams and there's so, where else do you get 50 minutes on the Akron Zips? Where? It doesn't exist. It's, it's, the per, it's, it's very much in the spirit of what this podcast is, which is like, who wants to hear about Cleo Lemon for two hours? There's like 13 of you. I think I've found all of you. I don't think there's anywhere to grow my audience. It's niche. That's the whole point. So uh, the college football experience, which you can hear me on, I highly recommend it. It's a, it's a fucking great podcast. If you are a college football fan, and they preview the big teams too, but man, 
I mean, do you want to hear about Bowling Green? Or do you? Because he goes into it, man. You get some, you get your fix of the Falcons. It was fucking sweet, man. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully you guys can go check them out and uh, support them because I think it's going to be, and I don't, I don't feel like I have to even sell you on it. It's like, if you like sports, if you like college football, it fucking rules. All right, look, let's, uh, let's do a quick pre-planned bit. I'll be back five minutes later. We're going to get into the interview with Jabron because, I mean, I think this has been my worst podcast so far to start. So we should get into the really good interview that I did. But yeah, before any of that, you guys know what's up. If you want something done right, you need to do it yourself. Unless it's telling your audience how to support your podcast because that shit gets old real quick. I think you should outsource it. And that's what I've done. Welcome to my friends and family plug my show. These are real people with real reasons why you should support me. I hope you listen. I hope you hear. And I do hope you support. I'm Eric's friend, Meredith. Although sometimes he refers to me as his friend's wife. And I am actually a fan of this podcast. I regularly use things I've learned here to try to have surface-level conversations with my dad about the AFC North. Go Browns! I say all of this because if he doesn't receive enough praise, Eric is on the brink of becoming a full-on supervillain. Keep him on the side of good. Join his newsletter, follow his social media at Eric Helwig on all platforms, or write a five-star review on Apple Podcast. Those stars could make the difference in Eric not going full-on Rita Repulsa. And don't forget to check out erichelwig.com, because knowing Eric's fragile ego, he is checking analytics on that page multiple times a day. That's E-R-I-C-K, hell, like the place Eric might end up if you don't save his soul now, wig, like what I will wear when Eric makes me rip my hair out, dot com. Eric really needs this. Things are so bad that he hasn't been able to update the recording that intros this pre-planned bit since the show began. Yeah, I should probably get on updating that shit, right? It's it's a little lengthy in the intro. Uh, my friend Meredith, again, follow her on Twitter at big underscore mare. And those, you hear those pipes? Those pipes she's got, huh? You can hear those on... Uh, what the fuck is her show called? Uh, when Nature Calls. <laughs> Why am I saying it like I hate it? When Nature Calls uh, with Helen Mirren. Who, is Helen Mirren like a, is she a dame? I know there's Dame Judy Dench. I feel like that's like just like a hack joke. People go like, oh, who's a random person? Dame Judy Dench. Where it's like, we fucking get it. It's been in 35 TV shows at this point. You're not being original. But I think Helen Mirren might be a, a dame too, right? Does that mean like you're knighted by the the queen or something? Or they give you like an olive branch, some symbolic shit that doesn't mean anything. We're all just meat with holes. Anyway, uh, follow Meredith on Twitter. Check out that show. It's animals like uh, talking to each other. I think I think Liz was on here because Liz is on the show too. Liz was on here promoting it uh, last episode. So you know that's two weeks in a row. You're getting the fucking. A little bit of ad, a little bit of ad action for when nature calls. I'm sure a show that gets millions of views on ABC really needs the the bringing the backups bump. I'm sure the five of you (laughs) that tuned in because I told you to on Thursday at 8 o'clock, that's really, that's making the difference for whether or not there's a season two. Whatever, you know, go check it out. Speaking of ads, you hear the fucking ad at the beginning of the podcast? Boom! I got a fucking ad read, baby. 
This should be a good show. Joe's a funny guy. If anybody else wants to do an uh, ad on this thing, let's uh, fucking let's fucking go, man. Eric Helwig Comedy at Gmail. It's $400 a second, and uh, I want you to pay me in Bitcoin. <laughs> no, I don't know. I'll, I'll quote you something reasonable. <laughs> if you know, Whatever. If, if you think my audience would like your shit and, you know, you're not like a fucking pedophile or something, yeah, shoot me an email. I'll do a quick Google on you. <laughs> Make sure you're not a scumbag. And then, uh, yeah, I'll throw you on the pot if you want. I do have some good news uh, before we start talking Gibran. I lost 12 pounds. Huh? Since they told me I was pre-diabetic and they are like, hey, listen, fat ass, let's lose some. Let's hop on the treadmill, brother. That's what they told me. Doctors were very mean about it, and uh, I responded to it. I think I've said before, like, I can't, I can't have flowery language around, around food. If someone's like, you know, you need to, you know, I, I know I'm supposed to, like, intuitively eat. I'm supposed to, like, you know, feel the, the healthy thing to do. But I need someone to be like, put the cupcake down, cupcake. <laughs> It's going straight to your ass. Like, that helps me. I like, you're going to die. <laughs> your family will say goodbye to you before it's your time. Like, that is the way I need it to hear it. So, yeah, I dropped, geez, it was like 12 pounds in three months just eating healthy and fucking going to the going to the gym, swimming. I've gotten really into swimming. I'm not good at it, but it's fun. And apparently it's good for, like, old fucks. I mean, every time I go to the pool, it's me and a woman who's 195 years old fucking taking up the whole lane. And I'll usually, like, if I swim around her twice, she's been there the last three times. I think she lives in the fucking pool. She might be, I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of movies where, like, people, like, you know, fuck octopuses and stuff now. Like, she might be, like, one of those, like, it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie where, like, she, if she leaves the water, <laughs> her true form is revealed. Like, she might just live at the fucking L.A. Fitness across from where I live. But she's been there three times, and if I swim around her, usually once or twice, she'll, like, learn to just take up half the fucking lane. But she just walks down... She's walking. She's not swimming. She's walking laps in the pool. And she take, walks right down the center. It's like, this is a swimming lane, lady. Pick a side. I actually, like, I scraped my hand doing freestyle trying to get around her on the corner. It, yeah, it's like, I don't know. I And that's the thing where I'm like, you know, at that point, I should have, in I, I, you know, it's, whatever. What do you say? Hindsight is twenty twenty. What I should have done is, as soon as I hit my hand on the side, I should have stopped swimming, looked at her, and been like, would you mind getting over so I don't hit my hand on the side? That's what I should have done. But I didn't. And, you know, in a weird way, I feel like I avoided the conflict. I just kept swimming and kind of felt like my hand hurting. And when I look back at it, it was like blood running down my hand because I had, this lady's taking up too much of the lane. What would you do? She's She's old. It's like something about if it was like a young dude or a young chick you know my age I don't think I'd have a problem but when it's like some old lady I'm like what am I 
I'm going to like make their last day on earth be about me hurting my hand for a second. Like what? Just swim around them, you know? Respect your elders. Isn't that like a, a thing we don't, we don't do that here, especially in LA. Jeez, like respect your elders. It's like once you turn 40, you have to get a fucking surgery to make your face look like a fucking cat. <laughs> Nobody respects old shit in LA. But, like, I feel like I would try to respect old people, you know? I, I move around them on the fucking, I don't know. Maybe I, should, maybe I should just say something. Maybe I will say something. I don't know. She seems to get the message when I, you know, I, I, I will say, like, when I swim past her from, from kicking, you know, I don't, obviously don't kick her, but, like, as I'm getting past, I, like, I, I, power with my feet and a little water comes up. You know, I'm not saying I'm kicking her in the face with water. I'm not, but I'm not going out of my way to make it easy for her to block me swimming. All right. I sound like a piece of shit. I, I don't know what to say. She's taken up the whole lane. I, I, I'm paying for a membership. I should get to swim. Move it. All right. Do you guys know who Jabron Handen is? I, I feel like I've Talked about him multiple times on the show now. Went to my high school. Was a senior when I was a freshman. This is at Bishop O'Connell in uh, Arlington, Virginia. Catholic school. And, uh, yeah, played at Indiana uh, for his senior season. Got drafted in 2003 to the uh, Washington football team. Was the MVP of uh, NFL Europe in 2006. Started seven out of ten games, still won MVP. That's how dominating he was. It really was his only chance to start regularly in his career. His last season, he was with Toronto uh, in the CFL in 2010. And we, you know, we go through his career, the places he, uh, the places he played. He's the first player in the NFL to be of uh, Pakistani uh, descent, and also Palestinian. He's half. Uh, Pakistani, half Palestinian. There's never been another player in the NFL with either of those things. So he's broken down some fucking walls. And we talk about it in the podcast. I would say that this is probably the most, like, I want to say political, but like, just like charged podcast I've done. Because usually I'm just talking to like my dipshit comic friends who have nothing to offer the world. <laughs> no offense. Thanks for doing the show, uh, whoever you are that's listening. But. I mean, it was a fucking intense chat than like sad moments, but also Jabron's got a great sense of humor. So we end up laughing a bunch too. I mean, we, we talked about shit. I did not think we would ever talk about. That's the best way to say it is like, I was expecting it to be, I was, I won't be an asshole. I was expecting him to be a football player. You know, like I, I covered football players. I used to be a journalist. You know, I used to cover the sports teams. Football players, generally speaking, they know a lot of football and not a lot of anything else. That's usually how it goes. They're not solving math problems on blackboards while being janitors, all right? They're not Matt Damon in fucking Goodwill Hunting, okay? this It's a type, and they have a window of about 13 seconds to make their money, so they focus on football, and they should. But Jabron is a fucking smart dude. It was, it was illuminating for me in many ways, so I was really happy to have him on. And look, like I said a little bit before, if you do like this episode, 
Do not follow Jabron on social media. Shoot him an email. That's what he wants. Jabron at Jabron.com. Let him know what you think. But without further ado, let's get to our first ever interview with an NFL quarterback on bringing the backups, making history today. Enjoy my chat with Jabron. Good for you, man. It sounds really good, actually. I mean, I'm pretty impressed. Great. I mean, I made a I made a movie like right when the pandemic was going or whatever, and like I totally the the audio is just so shit. <laughs> it's like this, you know I did everything myself, and then the audio I was like, oh, I got this like boom mic that I rented to attach to the thing. It'll be fine, you know. Like I don't need an audio guy. And then you like get into post, and you're like, oh shit. This audio is hot garbage. <laughs> is it usable? You know? Like, can you release the film? Well, I did. I put it, you know, in my true fashion, I just put shit out and I know that nothing's going to run. Um, people that, you know, it's on YouTube, it's on my website. But yeah, I mean, it's cool. The, the things I'm pretty good at turned out pretty cool. Uh, it was a little too wordy. The movie guys that I know were like, yeah, basically my strategy was since I'd never written a script or anything, it's like, yo, we're just gonna let people talk. Like, who gives a fuck? Just like in real life, you know. <laughs> so basically, I what I did well was I got everybody into their character and like got the like vibes right, but everybody's just talking incessantly. And um, there was maybe one other than the visuals. The visuals are cool. The pace is good. But, you know, the storyline is kind of – anyway. Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sick all my fans on your YouTube video to provide comments on what you can improve for next time. Does that sound like a <laughs> good idea? Oh, uh, <laughs> man, you can. It's not like I'm going to read them, but, yeah, you can. Well. Dude, well, you're – well, th- this is a great point to start off. I mean, first off, thank you for doing my podcast. I can't believe I have an actual quarterback on the show. I've been – I don't know if you've listened to episodes. I think you have because – I have. I have. I've, I've been stuck. I heard when you called me stiff as a basketball player at the center at O'Connell. <laughs> Which probably was the most accurate description of my basketball game ever. But you know, in my defense, it, I've only I only played like basketball two years in my life at that point, and I was going up against uh, Keith Bogans, Ruben Boomshay Boomshay, who just got off the boat from Africa and was like living with John Thompson. And I'm trying to cover this six eleven dude, you know. <laughs> And I'm like, yo, I just like picked up a basketball two years ago, bro. You know what's crazy, man, is like I re- I was a freshman, and I we we should introduce you to in the podcast. This is uh, uh Jabron Hamden, and that's with a soft G, soft G, yeah, soft G. Uh, I guess you did hear that part of me butchering your name on one of the podcasts as well. Um, I've had so many quarterbacks that have been like close to coming on the show. I can't believe you actually agreed to it. I think our connection, the fact that we went to the same high school and were there at the same time helped. And I have to say, like, I remember you because you were the star 
athlete in the school. Like it was your senior year, my freshman year. And to me, you look exactly the same now as you did when you were 18 years old. Like, I feel like you were taller in high school. Like in, in my mind, I'm like, you were seven foot five. You could. I was huge. I was huge. Dude, did you, huge. you must have hit your growth spurt early. Is that fair to say? No, that's actually not true. Basically, the reason I ended up at O'Connell was that my high school football coach at my first high school at, at uh, Winston Churchill told me I would never amount to anything. And I, I was like 6'1", had a rocket for an arm, but like I had never played football in my life. It was my sophomore year. And he like straight, he was also the baseball coach and I was a pretty good baseball coach. So I think it was his way of telling me to quit football so I could just focus on base, uh, baseball the whole time. And I was 6'1", you know, hadn't really like gotten big. And he was like, yo, you'll never amount to anything football. You know, you should quit. And I was like, bro, I like football. Like I'm getting out of this place. <laughs> and that's when I transferred to O'Connell. And I think when I got there, I was like 6'2". That junior year, I went from like 6'2". To six four, um, so it was a late growth spurt, frankly. Yeah, well, like I said, yeah. in, in my mind, uh, you were just like a different species. You were just like this huge <laughs> dude. Right. I was like, I yeah. just remember staring up at you in the hallway, being like, "I'm gonna get my ass kicked in high school. This is crazy." Because I was, <laughs> I was, I was, I'm young for I had an October birthday, so like I had a ter- I was like shorter than most of the girls in. Yeah, every year going up so i don't think i similar to you probably didn't start growing until junior senior years when i uh, you're not gonna like I, to hear I, this but i was young too i graduated i was a 17 when i graduated dude you're so you're so going against, <laughs> you're you're still going against the grain of what I've, I've every quarterback i feel like i've talked about on this show their parents held them back so they held them back. yep now i went to uh i grew up in kuwait and I went to British school, which was my first school, Sunshine School of Kuwait. And the British start their kids a year early. I, so I turned 16, like late junior year, and then was 17 when I was getting recruited and all that stuff, which was comical because looking back on it, like if I had those two extra years of development oh God, like yeah. compared to the people I was going with, it would have been like kind of a joke. I mean, I guess the benefit is I got out earlier and, you know, I'm going to have an extra year of my life to live, whatever you want to say. But yeah, that I was younger. Than everybody I played against the whole time, so it's comical. Dude, that that you are, and I would imagine that it's even more of a disadvantage because so many people are holding their kids back for the specific purpose of athletic advantage. Look, I have so many. I I would rather have you on the podcast than Tom Brady. That's the honest to god truth. I want. I'm in all honesty, Tom is better than me at most things, but I'm probably a better podcast guest than Tom Brady. I will take that. Yeah, no, he would just be trying to like think of ways to use it as motivation to keep playing football at the age of 45. But you would get a ton more followers if Tom Brady was on the podcast instead of me. So it all depends on what your metric for success is. If you want a very good banter, very entertaining for the hundred guests that listen to this right now, it's going to be awesome. But if you wanted to like catapult yourself to getting sponsored by, you know, um, what was it? The DiGiorno's Pizza. Oh, my God. You probably want uh, Tom Brady on. I hope DiGiorno's never gets a whiff of this podcast. I'm getting sued. I've been going hard at them after they ripped up my intestines. Um. I, I, where to start? Uh, was Colonel Gutter at O'Connell when you were there? 
Colonel Gutter was. Yes, he was. Yeah, that's. I, don't know, I was just trying to think of like random things I can remember from high school. Jim Hayes. Jim. Oh yeah, Coach Hayes. Yeah, Snyder. Coach Hayes taught um, me about uh, uh, sperm. Yeah, yeah, Herman, the, Herman the Sperman. I remember that yeah, very well. Uh, so one thing I noticed about your career, it looked like in 2006 when you were with the, is it the Amsterdam Admirals? Yep. Am I correct in saying that was your only extended for multiple games back-to-back being the guy? <laughs> yeah. Well, well yeah. here's the thing. Like, that's true, and I won the MVP. Yes, so what's that dude. say? Yeah. Well, look, yeah, here's here's you. If you've listened to the podcast, you know this is what happens. I only talk about the quarterback usually for about ten or fifteen minutes. In the first five mm-hmm. minutes, I'm like, this guy never got a shot. Then about five minutes later, I go, okay, this guy kind of sucks. And then at the very end, I go, I wonder if this guy will do my podcast. That's what I do on the show. Saying you never got a chance, I think is fucking fair, considering the one time you had extended playing time, you won the fucking MVP. And had a perfect quarterback rating through three games. Yeah, yeah. The tr- and the, the truth is, is it's a 10-game season, and I got injured in game seven. I played the entire game seven on a broken ankle, threw for 300 and two touchdowns. Um, yeah, that you would be right to say it. There's a lot to unpack there. Uh, it kind of depends on how far you want to go. You're the interviewer. I mean, there's a lot of shit here. Um, but you know, the good thing is, is that I'm in a place where like, unlike a lot of my former teammates and, you know, I don't have some of the residual stuff that they do largely because of like, I probably shouldn't even gotten a chance in the first place. So it's kind of a weird juxtaposition. You know, I was really lucky, uh, to even get to the place I was. So now looking back and saying like, oh, well, the one time I got a chance to play, I was NFL Europe MVP. And some of the reasons why I didn't get to play were vocalized to me that were less than kind. Um, but with all that being said, I'm, I won. So I, I don't want to get into a place, obviously, in my life where I'm looking back and saying like, oh, what if and all that stuff. But yes, that is true. I played seven games and won the MVP. And, uh, and it's funny because going back, maybe this will highlight a little bit of it to you, is that um, I think it was maybe 05. I was with the Seahawks, and uh, Jim Zorn, the quarterback coach, had a psychologist come in and give all the quarterbacks a psychology test. And then he shared what we learned with, with us. And that psychologist had been to, like, a bunch of other teams too. And apparently I, I scored – on that test differently than any quarterback that had reached the professional level that he had ever tested. Like everyone was a, was a type a go getter dominate the world type person. And then like the, the, the card came back on me, not to Zorn's surprise. Zorn was like, we were friends, but he was like, you kind of suck. Like, (laughs) Uh, but it wasn't like because of physical, it was just because like, he didn't like understand my mentality, you know, like, and so this psychology thing. So the psychology, he told me this story and he was basically like, listen, the psychologist came back and said, this is what you scored. And I, and Zorn speaking from Zorn's perspective, he's like, I immediately thought, okay, like I exactly what I thought about Gibran is true. But actually what the psychologist referenced was that like my personality is such that if I'm the third string quarterback, I'm going to be the best third string quarterback that you could have. 
i.e. I was stealing signals way before the Patriots got in trouble. Um, this was, bef- this was, you know, these teams were sending in defensive signals with hand signals. And I played baseball, bro. It was like they had – the indicator was like, you know, touch of the hat. I was like, oh, fuck, this is going to be easy. So I was, you know, the third-string quarterback. I was telling Holmgren, hey, it's cover three. He'd be calling a cover three play, and we'd hassle back and would hit it. And I would literally make the traveling roster because I was stealing signals, you know, because that's what a th- good third-string quarterback should be doing. Like, what else are you going to do, right? Um, but the psychologist said, well, then when he gets an opportunity to be the starter, what he does is he's going to, you know, do the best at being the starter. That's, like, kind of, like, my makeup. Um, and that's just, like, kind of unheard of in that profession at that position. It doesn't matter if you're the third string guy. It's like everybody wants to be the guy. Yeah. So, you know, if they're the third guy, they're not thinking about stealing signals to help the team. They're really kind of like, how do I become the two? How do I become the one? Largely might be one of the reasons you're having a challenge getting people on. It's like, you know, your show is called Bringing in the Backups. And like, I might be the only quarterback in history that's like, when you say backups, I'm like, yeah, I was a backup. You know, like for real, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, but everybody else, like, you know, you're talking about who have you talked about? Charlie Fry started games. Uh, if if they've started a game, bro, they're not looking at themselves. Yeah, as a yeah. You know, and it's like the this was you know what there are hundred quarterback jobs in the world every year. You know, it's like this is like elite level. So you know, if you change your name to bring up bring in the starters who who unfortunately were sometimes subjected to being backups. You probably get a shit ton of guys on. That was, I'd be like, yeah, let me talk about my shit right now. That was that was the original title for the podcast, and it uh, it didn't fit on the Apple uh, logo. Look, dude, <laughs> you're, you're, I love what you're saying because it was literally a question I was going to ask. I know how into art you are. Like, I've been just following like what you do on your website, and like I just looking at your Insta stories for the last couple of years. Like, and even I, when I'm looking up YouTube videos of you getting interviewed after practice, you're mentioning your art and i'm like this is unlike anybody i've heard talk in a presser as a quarterback so i do think that there's something to how you carry yourself and that's why you're the first i I don't think at all the athletes i've known i covered i mean when i was at o'connell i was the sports editor for the paper for two years and i covered the football team in college where i went you're right all the football players i knew were like if they were third string, they're like, what happens if this dude breaks his kneecap? Can I, how can I move up on this roster spot? It's very alpha male. I feel the fact that you have a creative side, like probably gives you more willingness to look at your career. Honestly, I feel like you probably have a better sense of humor and a bit more self-awareness than a lot of guys would. Yeah, I think that's, that's obviously true. Um, I think like reasons for me coming on the podcast is like, you know, you're doing a creative thing. You're putting yourself out there. You're trying something new. I appreciate that. I've basically been doing that the last 12, 15 years. And so I I understand how hard it can be. So, you know, me telling, having a conversation with you is like water off my, it's easy to me. And if it it at all propels you forward in whatever way, then awesome. Um, I think the the interesting thing is that to me, the part about the NFL that I'll say that whenever I'm asked is the part that's fascinating is like, you know, 
at such a young age that the part that you referenced, which is like we all have a vision of what this top level is, right? And then we're kind of like trying to meet it or try, you know, we're, we're going through the day to day. It's like I got, luckily, I got to that, got to see that level at such a young age. And I was like, bottom of the depth chart, minimum salaried, you know, the whole time. Yeah. And I was sitting next to dudes that like, just got a check in their lock. Bruce Smith has a $250,000 check in his locker that he's not cashing. And I'm like, yo, bro, just go cash it, bro. Get the investment going. And he's just got like stacks of checks in his locker. And I'm just like, yo, this dude, like I'm at like, at the time I was able to recognize that I have reached at least in America, this like sacred ground of like NFL quarterback. And I'm here. And these dudes are still fighting with their wives. They're still getting in car accidents. They're still going to the dry cleaners and shit. Like nothing like, there's no magic shit. It's like basic stuff. You know, it's like, oh, you know, like on the phone with their wife complaining about something that they got. I'm like, yeah, bro, like you're no different than like anybody else. Like you got a lot more money. Everybody thinks you're cool. And so that view, I basically have gotten that view. So it's really, that's the gift. The gift is, is that like the whole veil of all the bullshit that is like in, inundated, you know, males and females, but predominantly males in this country, all the bullshit is exactly that. It's just fucking bullshit, really. Because if you get, the, if, if I gave every, like if I gave you the opportunity to be like, yo, Nick Offerman, real Nick Offerman, <laughs> not secondhand <laughs> and you saw his bank account and you got all your scripts green lighted, you know, and you got all your shit. Well, then you saw it and you'd be like, okay, like basically my bank account is bigger, which is cool. Don't get me wrong. I'm not demeaning some of that stuff, Yeah. but I'm saying like intrinsically deeper, there's this thing there that once you get past it, once you're like, it's all bullshit, really. What's important is in fact, not this vision of what you think, is going to be that type A, but what's important is the B shit, like what yeah. you're doing right now. That's just the reality. Well, um, it's just, and that's the gift. It just feels like an ability to be happy with what you have, not basing your happiness on "I'll be happy once I get to that place." I mean, that's I just feel like that's the that's the key to life, man. Is being willing to actually enjoy what's right in front of you and the the journey of it is like what you have to enjoy. You have to enjoy the fact. I mean, I can see like in, in your art, how much you embrace all the places you've lived and like how you got to try, like this provided you an opportunity to travel. And like, there's so, I think there's, I don't know, like uh, we, we mentioned Tom Brady, but like I watched the documentary of him. This is like after his fourth Super Bowl, and he's still like weeping at the fact that he got drafted in the seventh round and like remembers the names of the quarterbacks that went before, like the level of, like anger, like fueling it. I'm like, there's no question he's had this great run and like part of that's luck, but also part of that's like amazingly hard work and determination. But yeah, like I, I wonder about like someone like that's ability to be happy in the moment. Yeah. I, I think a lot of things, a lot of the things that quarterbacks in particular struggle with. And one of the reasons why I basically like just done everything but football um, for the last, I haven't watched a game in like seven years, so forgive me. But like, um, is that, you know, if you don't force yourself to do other things, especially as a former quarterback, 
it's basically just going to hang over you. Like, it's just like, yeah. that's just what's going to happen. And so I'm like, I, I started uh, innocuously doing it. And then I recognized kind of what I was doing. And then I kind of became this version that I find myself of being right now, which is like totally devoid of football in my life, largely because I recognized that like, you know, it was, it was 10 years. I did what I did. I probably got a lot further than I deserved to get, you know, there's, there's 50 dudes at home that were like gazillion times better players than me and never got drafted, never got in the league. And that's just a fact. It's a fact. And so running away from it was my best answer. Like just run as far away from it as possible. And it's super weird because you find out along the way, like people be like, you know, even now when I create or like a business hires me for something or I do something, then they find out I played football. Like, oh, what? You know, like because I'm so far away you know, my new thing is like I want to be like I literally have been thinking about becoming. I don't know if you saw Ted Lasso, the uh, yeah, I did uh, that show. Like I've been, you know, I've gotten a couple j- job offers to get into coaching, right? And it's like I've always just said no. And but like I literally want to be like a European football coach one day, like you know, the real life Ted Lasso. And yeah. then I like I kind of got pissed that the show came out because now I got like a higher cl- like climb because everybody's be like, oh, this must. Ted Lasso and shit. But like, no, you know, like I, I want that new challenge, right? Like what's next? And you mean, because football, it'd be so football. easy. You mean like, football, like, yeah, yeah, like football world. before. Yeah. Not yeah, yeah, like American soccer. But yeah. like, I want to go overseas and like, you know, some, some third division in Monaco and just like <laughs> fucking coaches, fucking football team. Hey, let's run a four, three, three. I want my wingers here. You know, and be like, yo, what are you? I'm like, I, I, I've watched the game, guys. I know what to do now. <laughs> yeah. Dude, even the, the idea of, like, diversifying your life a little bit, regardless of, like, I, I don't know. I just think about, like, as a stand-up, I know so many people that were so into getting good at stand-up. That's all they did, mic after mic after mic. This is back when I was in New York, where you could do, like, six or seven mics in a night and a couple shows, and if you time it out right on the subway, you could just you could just be up every night seven days a week. But like if you don't leave space for your life to actually have experiences outside of the thing, after a couple of years, all your jokes are about other <laughs> comics or like the subway ride to shows. Like you don't have a life to comment on. Yeah, that idea of like not getting too into like for I have to I feel it in myself too. I have to force myself to take breaks from creative stuff to go like take my wife out to dinner, go on a weekend vacation, like get on a train and go down to San Diego and see a baseball, like force myself to pull out of like the, cause I could literally just work on stand up the podcast and writing. I could do that every minute, every day and still feel like I'm not doing enough. The discipline to like actually have a life <laughs> when you're pursuing something hard is like a balance that I think a lot of people don't strike well. And they use examples of guys who have like crushed it as like, I'll just be like that guy. But most people that do it end up like, like you were saying, like it, it hangs over you too much if you don't force yourself to actually enjoy your life while you're alive. <laughs> there you go. Put it on a coffee mug and you're good. That's enjoy it. your life while you've got it, man. Yeah. I actually, one of my, uh, I watched the video of you and it was like two days before you retired. I guess you had gone to um, Toronto and you're getting interviewed in the rain. 
and you're and you're like they're like wow what do you how do you feel about being in the argos you're like oh man the field is so uh it's like there's something about the way the game and like it's different up here it's almost like art and i was listening to you talk being like this dude's about to retire like there's no way this guy <laughs> is gonna make it. and then like i googled it and you retired like two days later so I was bro like, i retired five minutes before that interview motherfucker. Like, did you really le legit in my mind i retired five minutes before that interview so that's that's really good investigative work. No, I mean, I, you know, basically I played with 11 players on a hundred, hundred yard field for how many ever six years, seven years, eight years. And so the rhythm and the timing and everything, like I knew how to throw every ball, et cetera, et cetera. And so then Toronto brings up Cleo Lemon, me, Ken Dorsey, like NFL dudes that are like, okay, well, I'm going to go up to Canada. And they, we, every, I knew them well. I knew Cleo well. I'd spent time with him stuff. So like, we were there and it was comical because the coach, I'll never forget it. It was like the off season and the coach made us fly to the Everglades in Florida and then drove us like three hours to some random ass farm and we were going to practice there. And I was like, I didn't sign with Toronto, <laughs> this cosmopolitan fucking city. Like I was going up there like, shit, I'll have fun in fucking Toronto at least. Right. To go to the Everglades and three hour drive and all this bullshit. And so that's when I kind of was like, yeah, this is some this is some straight type A coach wants to, like, think that if you sequester us in some bullshit farm, we're going to play really well. When in reality, I'm a grown ass man, like just put us on a field, teach us the game. So that's kind of where it started. But then yeah. you get to training camp and there's like an extra player on the other side and there's like a motion with the wide receiver and the field is different and you only get three downs. And I was like two practices in, I was like, yo, I don't know which one of us is going to start, but whoever does is going to get like two or three concussions this season yeah. without a doubt, because you're going to hold on to the ball too long. You don't intrinsically know what to do before the ball is snapped, which is basically when you're playing at a high level. It's like, yo, I know what I'm going to do. Like, all I have to do is work my eyes one way, and then I'm going to go there with rock, and it's going to be fine. I just got to execute it. But I was like, yo, I don't I don't have that feeling. And I just got married, and I was like, yo, yeah, nobody's clamoring for me in the NFL. And so, yeah, right before that interview, or right after that interview, I went to them. I'm like, yo, guys, I'm done. And they were like, what are you talking about? Like, you are picking it up. Like, you're in the competition. I was like, yeah, nah, I'm good. And I just packed my car up and drove home. And Cleo got two concussions. That I was going to say, man, because I did. We had a hard year. I did, one of the shots, I uh, when I started the podcast, Cleo was, I think, my third or fourth quarterback. And I was editing these YouTube videos with, like, the highlights of the quarterback. It took way too long. I only did it three episodes and stopped. Yeah. But most of his highlights are from that 2010 Argonauts season. And it's him getting wrecked. He's getting yeah. there's one there's one time where he's like scrambling and fighting for yards and someone just comes like full speed into his helmet, knocks it off. Yeah. You see him like yeah. pass yeah. out. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I mean I hate I have that I sometimes like I have this ability to like I I shouldn't say this, but you know, I that's happened a couple times to me, but like that's the one I'm super unfortunate about because I was yelling at both, both those guys, the Gyodos. I'm telling you right now, this is not going to be a safe season for us. Yeah, like they're going to need all three of us, and you know, uh, just because you know, I'm, I'm sad that that happened. 
just because, well the position uh, is so the position is like you know when you have the ball when you have the rock you just have to be so critical so precise and just your mental and your body and it's like an internal timer and like if you if anything messes with that and frankly adding an extra player on the defense having a wide receiver in motion and having different spatial recognition on the field size is way more than enough. Frankly, one extra guy on defense that you have to account for was enough. Yeah. You know, it was going to take three or four years to just really get that, you know, in tune. Um, and then sure enough, like on the drive back, uh, after a couple of weeks, Alex Van Pelt, who you also mentioned, called me to go to Tampa to be the fourth in Tampa. But like, you could see it in my voice. In that interview, yeah, I, yeah. Like, I call. I told Alex, I'm like, Alex, I'm done. The train has left the station. He's like, what are you talking about? Like, you might make the team. I'm like, bro, like, the half a million sounds good right about now, but, like, I don't know. It just, in my, in my, you know, it just didn't feel right. It just was not right, which is unheard of. The rule in the NFL is you just play until they stop calling. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, man, this doesn't, you know. So... How? Yeah, you're right. When you made that decision to leave, um, because I in the in the article that they wrote about you, you were like, my name's not popping up. I'm fucking done. Out. Like you were you were clearly done. Like, are you? Because you'd met. How into art were? Like, how much did you know what branch you were going to be jumping onto at that point? Or you just knew I'm zero. One thing. Here's what ha- here's what really happened on that drive home. If you're ready, are you ready? I'm fucking ready, dude. All right. So I had done NFL broadcast boot camp the season before going up to Toronto, my last season in the NFL. NFL broadcast boot camp, you send in video clips of some video work you do, and they pick 12 guys from the league, and you go get trained to become a broadcaster. And JB is there, and Howie's there. All the big names are there, and you basically go through a week trying to you know, teach yourself how to become a broadcaster. I was the smallest name going in, obviously. And by the end, JB, CBS, everybody was like, yo, you need to do this. Like, you need to do this. And I was like, okay, cool. It's kind of fun at the time. I mean, I still like football. I felt like I could talk. Um, and so I made a little, they made a highlight reel for me. And I, uh, an agent from New York, I got hooked up with an agent from New York and he saw the highlight. He's like, yo, we need to talk. I was like, cool, let's talk. And this was, this. I'm back two weeks. And at the same time this is happening, I'm teaching myself how to sew on my wife's sewing machine. Because I like was just bored and was going to this fabric shop that was like right down the street that had like leftover like high-end fabrics. And I was like, oh, cool. Like I can make shit, you know, only sew. So I'm like sewing half the day and working on this broadcasting yeah. shit. So I had this call with this uh, agent, big time New York agent, a lot of broadcasters. He's like, okay, I got two things to say. I'm like, all right. Oh, and as I'm sewing, uh, this teenager that lived next to my wife's mom's house was like super adept at websites and like Adobe Illustrator and all this shit I should have been learning in college or doing, but I never did. Um, And he taught me, he started showing me Illustrator Adobe products and he taught me HTML and CSS. I was like, oh shit. Like I can just like put a couple codes into a computer and design shit. This is amazing. So basically I was do- like half the time was like doing all this creative shit 
and really thinking broadcasting, right? I mean, why wouldn't I? And um, this call with this agent, he's like, your film is amazing. He's like, top five I've seen this year, but I have a big problem. You're Palestinian. <laughs> I was like, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Cause like, then the conversation takes like a different turn. I was like, that's not what I experienced. He's like, bro, he's like, I'm just keeping it real with you. I've sent the video out a little bit, get some feelers. And you do know that like a predominantly big portion of this industry is Jewish, right? I was like, yeah, I know. Like all my friends from my school, you grew up in the DC area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I just finished texting one of my best friends, a Jewish dude. Like it was, that's just like life. Like I, we don't care about that shit, right? But there is a certain group that does. And he's like, I just got to be honest with you. Like, I think you're going to get a couple color commentary jobs. You're going to work your ass off. You're going to be really good. And you have a lot of talent and you could like progress. But like your name, your skin color, and the fact that you actually are pal half Palestinian is like, you're never going to get the big jobs, bro. Like, you are never, ever, ever going to get the big jobs. And it, to be honest, like, I don't want to, you know, it, it resembled some of the things I had heard during my playing career. To be honest, yeah. So I was like, start, it was starting to get sticky a little bit in the convo. I was like, oh man, I've seen and heard this kind of shit before. I don't want to get involved with it. It's not like what my life needs to be about, but it's kind of fucked up. But you know, whatever. And then the kicker was like, he's like, but I did find already. I got you a six-figure payday if you're willing to go to the Middle East as a um, war correspondent. <laughs> 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 so this dude's like, yo, you can go be a war correspondent for 100k, man. You, you're like the perfect fit. Well, we'll the community, the, the the industry will gladly send you to the front lines in Israel and Palestine to get your take. And I'm looking over at the sewing machine. I'm looking at this little logo I'm making. I'm looking at this website I'm building. I'm like, yo, I know this shit is not going to make me any money over here, but at least I'll be having a lot more fun than this bullshit. And that was it. That was exactly how the next wave started. It took this conversation with this agent to like kind of get me out of this like, oh, I'm going to be a TV analyst. You know, I've got this. I had the requisite skills and talents that would have I would, you know, would have gone into that profession and made a living. Yeah. Um, and I just basically don't fuck that. I'm going to go here where I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Never used Illustrator, never used websites, never used a sewing machine, and I'm just going to do that. Yeah. Because I'm not going to get down that path. You know what would have been crazy is if, like, some web designer showed up at your house, like, a week later and was like, look, man, you're really good at this website stuff, but because you're Palestinian, we're going to need you to go uncover the war and design a website to explain to people what's happening. We need you in the front. <laughs> that's fucking, dude, that's... But you know what? In all honesty, based on my response to you, like it was so that response to me is so fucking played out. It's like I was like, OK, I've heard this one before. Like, get the bug out of here. Like, I, yeah. I've heard it. I've dealt with it. I'm moving on. Let's just move forward. It's not a big deal. I mean, you are and it, it's you are the first Palestinian quarterback to play in the NFL. Do you I mean, half Palestinian, half Pakistani. My mom would get mad if you didn't recognize her palace, her Pakistani. Cause I'm also the first Pakistani quarterback to play. In that's two, that's two titles. Two, two, not two down. Do you, uh, I mean, that's fucking huge, dude. I mean, do you, 
are you, I know you're not watching football now, but like assuming there's going to be a second guy that comes after you at some point, hopefully in both of those regards, like how do you feel about being the first, the, the first guy off the boat at Normandy? <laughs> like, get <laughs> like, you know, it's funny. There's this kid. I got put on to this kid. One of my former teammates, I guess I can't say his name because so he was he's he was recruiting at a major college, major 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 college football program. Ball State. And he's recruiting. Yeah, Ball State. <laughs> Did you say Ball State? Ball State. Because <laughs> all of your people are from Indiana. Okay. So no, he uh, he's recruiting and he texts me and he's like, "Yo, bro, I found Jabron 2.0." Sorry to use myself in the first name, but he's the first person. But he said, "So I found Jabron 2.0," and he sends me this kid's video. And I kid you not. Dude's like 6'3", great arm, and from his dad is Palestinian. And he got a full ride to a, a big, t- a pretty big school. Didn't go to that big school, but got – and so, like, I tweeted at him, like, yo, bro, like, saw your film, like, pretty good. Holler at me if you need anything, you know. And he called me, and we did, like, a – I spent an hour telling him what he sucked at and what he needed to get better at. Yeah. Obviously, like, yo, you need to. But it was, the, I think that was the first time where it was kind of like, oh, shit. Like, you know, because he responded after I texted, like, to him, like, yo, dude, you grew up watching you. Like, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool. And there were these Pakistani kids in Buffalo, which was hilarious. Um, they, it was four Pakistani kids. And, you know, the Pakistani community, you're going to become a lawyer, a doctor, you know, that's what your job is going to be. That's like what immigrants do. But they were able to convince their parents to allow them to play football because they basically pointed to me like, look, he's making more money than like those professions, yeah. like, you know. And so they came to camp and they were actually like, they helped out the equipment staff for a training <laughs> camp. And so I got to hang with them a little bit. So I, I guess that was cool. But I mean, I, I never put much stock in it while I was playing, to be honest. Yeah. Um, maybe because it was nobody saw that the flip side of it was some of the bullshit I had to deal with, you know, on behind closed doors on the other end of it. That was not positive. You know, Yeah, man. It's not fun being the first Palestinian quarterback in a lot of ways or the first Pakistani, you know. No, dude. And like I, I always we, we got we got to get political. If we don't need to. But like there's always something to be said about like those guys and the extra things that certain players have to do because of like, you know, whatever racism or just people's bias or like and it sounds like in your case, I'm. it's oh, I think it's important for people to hear that like people were saying it in 2009. Like, you, it was like getting verbalized to you like that clearly in a fucking interview. Oh, oh, 0304. Yeah, 0304 was really hard. I mean, it. let's just keep it real. If I would have made one, looking back, know what, you know, when I got in the league, when I got drafted, we said how young I was. I think it was 21, 22. And I got drafted by the Washington football team, which was my hometown team. So just think about that. 22, played one year in high school, played six games in college, had no business being drafted in the NFL. Like, no, you know, like pretty much like my college teammates joke that like, yo, you were the last person on the face of the planet 
from our recruiting class that anyone would have ever even imagined. And I would have agreed with them 100%, right? Um, and honestly, I could have done, I could have basically become a, like an instant 50 millionaire with a lawsuit, like, like that. Like, I, I, I could tell you like four or five instances where I could have just walked into HR, dropped the mic and be like, talk to my motherfucking lawyers. Yeah. You know, but, but I wanted to play and in all honesty, like I know we're talking about it a lot now and I'm talking about it because I think it would be as fascinating maybe for you and the listeners. But for me, it was like, it still is like, it feels bad coming out of my mouth because I really don't give a fuck about it. I'm not holding anything egregious back on it because like I've said earlier, I was okay. I, I probably got the career that I deserved and I'm cool with that. But it is fascinating to look back and be like, oh, like the amount of, you know, in 03, 04, like some of the shit where like, if I told you, your jaw would be like, what? <laughs> like that happened? Oh, and then that happened? And then that happened? You know, it's like, that's just the reality. But I think to move the conversation forward, the point is not, you know, necessarily what happened to me, but of course, like how I dealt with it. Right. So how I dealt with this, not go to HR. I didn't sue anybody. I just kept playing, you know, and made myself, um, made my, made the conversation for myself be about what I did within the vernacular of the football world. And, I will fully acknowledge that I did not move any movements forward. I didn't change any conversations. I didn't make a bit of difference. And that's just the path I choose. And guess what? I still choose that every single day because in order to move the whole narrative forward, that would have to include a lot of trust from a lot from humanity that I simply just don't have, bro. Yeah. I, I, it's not, you know, I think that, that, you know, it's just not reality. I live in like reality based, you know, rationality and none of that stuff that I would have done, um, would have made it, you know, when, when cat took a knee, regardless of what side everybody falls on, I looked at my wife and I was like, yo, bro, I ain't got that. Yeah. I mean, I ain't got, I mean, that, that is, you know, that is like, <laughs> I mean, we all knew what the fuck was going to happen. If you yeah. had played and you were in a position like I was and you saw that, I looked at my wife and I, like my jaw hit the floor. I was like, yo, bro, like I am just in utter, it had enough, it, it's not about the decision. It's about like the belief, the inner belief that you're going to change, you know, you're, that your voice, I was like, yo, that's like, he's, that kind of human has another level that I just don't have. I just never saw that level. I never felt that level, you know? Yeah, man. So. I mean, I think people have, I mean, look, I've never talked about Kaepernick on the show, but I can, like, I've, I've got issues with other things he said since, but like, as far as like the act of taking that knee, because everybody, I remember watching it being like, this dude's never playing again. <laughs> like, <laughs> never right. smelling yeah. the league again. The thing that can't be questioned about it is like, is the bravery of it. Because to be that first one in, like I, I made the reference, like the first guy off the fucking 
coming out right. and catching right. on the forehead. But that that really is, I think, like the best metaphor for it is like you know you're taking one for everybody else, and so like. Well, and the funny thing is, is is not sorry to interrupt, but it, depending on what side of the fence you're on, whoever's listening to this, if they don't agree with what he did, they're going to use another word instead of brave. Yeah. Right. But and so it, it's less about even categorizing it as brave or another word. It's just the actual like that little moment when that person just decides like to do that thing is like, whoa, like I just never, like I described, I just never had those moments where I was just like, yo, this is more important. You know, I don't know if that's selfish. You know, maybe that's just selfish. Maybe I was just selfish in wanting to try to achieve something and recognizing that any step I took out of that selfish area would maybe move the narrative forward, but I ain't gonna move the narrative forward by myself. Yeah. You know, I'd have to have a group behind me. So anyway, we don't have to get too far into it, but that was, um, I don't know how I got this far off topic, but this is why I went in creativity after retiring. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, man, I, uh, I don't know how to transition out of this, but I I will say, I I will say, I think you deserve, I mean, I've done it a couple of times in the interview where you're like, you're kind of downplaying, your talent level or like your contribution. But I would say that just the fact that you did it and like you did have to deal with shit that other players did not have to deal with because of who you are. Like that is doing something. That is something to get, I think give yourself credit for because there's also people that would just not be able to do that. Like some people would just hear the first fucking nasty thing that somebody says and go, yeah, I don't even want to fucking be be here period like to to go through that and to persevere and to make yourself a value on the team the way you did that also is an accomplishment and that is doing something i feel like you deserve credit for that so i i got to get that off but i want to talk about something else because your creativity is i mean i've gone through your website and stuff i if you listen to the podcast you know i'm obsessed with uniforms and the fucking Alaska Airlines uniform that you made. Can, can every team in the NFL please hire you right now oh, to redo their shit? Please. My dream job, man. My dream job. We would, my, Matt Bowen, uh, Matt Bowen, who was a safety for the Washington football team, and I, I was a rookie. And we would literally, after practice, go back to his townhouse in Reston, Virginia and get on the sticks, NCAA uh, 2000, whatever it was. And they had this function where you could just create the jerseys, bro. And Matt Bowen and I would just sit there and create jerseys. <laughs> like hours on end. We wouldn't even play. We would just create the jerseys. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I got so much. I have so much stuff to give in that department. But, you know, right now it's all tied up in. You know, you got to go work for a brand and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, needless to say, uniform design. And there's there's a, you know, there's a group there that, like, really appreciates it and understands it. But it's, in some ways it's growing, but in other ways it's just so comical how bad uh, stuff is. And largely because in my experience of the creative field, is there's just too many voices. Yeah. Right? I mean, once you start getting, like, teams and then brands and then designers and everybody starts talking and wanting to change this and once it's just an amalgamation of crap 
And the jersey ends up looking like that because, like, no one just sat there and said, like, this is what we want to do. Whereas, like, Raph Simone's, when he's designing a collection, he might listen to one guy. But he's basically like, yo, this is the jacket. Like, take it or leave it. You know, well, similar to the the dialogue in your uh, apparently wordy movie, less is more, <laughs> less is more with the uniforms. So, like, yeah. I mean, I, there's so many uniforms where, like, I mean, I, I, I kind of like what the Bengals did with their redesign. But, like, just looking at how the Bucks had, like, the alarm clock and, like, the pewter and then the white and then a little bit of the creamsicle and then black. And it's like, just be the creamsicle team with a gay pirate on your logo. That was, that was amazing. That was the coolest logo in all of them. Like they would go, they would have the best uniforms. They just wore what they wore in the nineties. Just make the helmet have CTE protection. Like there's so many, (laughs) I feel like when I looked at your Alaska airlines design, which I'm going to, for listeners, I'll link to this in the show notes and on the YouTube, I'll, I'll link to it underneath the video. But like, Everything should look like that. Like when I look at that, I'm like, that looks like a modern, but still almost like it's weird to say throwback since you just kind of pulled it <laughs> like out of your asshole. But like that's like a throwback America Airlines uniform <laughs> with like a little bit of fucking flair to it. That's what it should be. It's, I think about like I can't remember. Maybe I was talking about this on somebody else's podcast, but. I feel like college football gets it right more than the NFL does because they they there's so much more tradition with the uniforms that they they honor where the the simplicity of some of them like Alabama Penn State. Yeah, I mean you're missing a big portion of the conversation here, which is dinero. You know, oh, yeah. I mean fuck, like you know, uh, yeah, and NCAA they don't have to change their uniforms that much because they're. They don't have to worry about selling jerseys because they don't have to pay the players, et cetera, et cetera. In the NFL, it's about, hey, how many new jerseys can we crank out to get everybody to buy a fucking new jersey? So I think that's a big, big, big part of it is that, you know, if you're not changing something every two to three years to create a new um, design, then you're you're missing out on jersey sales, frankly. Do you so think I think that's a big part of it. How do you feel about the likeness stuff that's coming up with NCA right now? I think that I've seen that there's been a couple bills to like let players own their own. Well, my overall feeling, here's my overall feeling. I'll try to get it in one sentence. America is like all about capitalism. Yet their major sport and sports, but let's just talk about football in both the NFL and the NCA is basically the most socialist sport you could have in the way it's constructed. Yeah. No one's going down. No one has to worry about, you know, everybody's getting a salary cap. Everybody's getting the same amount of money. Everybody. So it's kind of comical. It's like, you know, it's basically social. And the NFL, the way, you know, the whole thing is constructed is a polar opposite to, let's use the example of the Premier League. The Premier League is capitalism personified. Yeah. If you got a lot of teams, a lot of money, you go buy Kevin De Bruyne, you go buy all the best players every week, and you go fucking win the games. And the top four teams are the same every year. Not the league. The NFL, you win, you're going to get the worst draft position. So these com- these commentaries about like likeness and all this stuff, like it all comes back to the same thing, right? It's the haves, and they worked really hard to become haves, whichever how you look at it. And they want to stay that way. Yeah. There's not going to be relic. 
if you introduced relegation, if you introduced actual American business concepts into the NFL and the NCAA, and it was regulated like a true American business model, it would be a lot harder to sell an NFL team. Right now, it's so easy to sell an NFL team because there's just money in the bank. Yeah. You buy the team, you know there's a bottom floor, you're going to make this much money every year, year in, year out. You got no, but the Bengals should have been relegated a gazillion times ago. <laughs> right? Yeah. But it's, but they're not, they have no fear of it. Right? So that, so that permeates through all our leagues, whether, no matter how you want to look at it, that's, that's essentially American professional and collegiate sports, right? Where would you need so to – I'm curious. Like uh, this is a fun place to take it. Like if you, if you just had like a magic wand to be like we're going to set up the NFL as if it were like a premier league. Like would you have, yeah. so what would you do? You would have like a minor league NFL roster. Yeah, like, I mean I think it's yeah, I think it's super I mean in 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 fairness, and I know, you know, these new leagues pop up and it's always like, oh, the, the talent isn't that good and all that stuff. And I think that's all just hogwash. Frankly, I could show you ten quarterbacks, take jerseys off. I'm not saying like the elite level, right? When where I was at, right? the top level quarterbacks, the difference between is like a lot smaller than, than you think, yeah. right? I mean, obviously it's greater in, in a certain perspective, but when you step back far enough, you can find enough quarterbacks, right? If, if a guy's watching a third level Mac NCAA football game and watching the quarterback there, and he's fine with that quarterback play, Trust me, I could find more than 32 starting quarterbacks in the world easily. So the point is, is that is that if the concept were taken to a fuller place, you would say, all right, if you want to start a football team, go ahead, start a football team. And there's there's leagues that you can progressively move your football team up in, right? And that involves more competition. That involves, hey, you know, like there's guys that get cut that like I know can still play. At least for I can get a year or two out of them. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So I'm taking that hand me down who still wants to play. He's a vet. And I'm saying, hey, you can still play for the last two years. Right. Like, give me two more years. I'm going to ride you up to the next level. And then when I get to this next level, our state, we're, you know, we're going to get more fans. We're going to get more money. Then I'm going to reach and get a backup from the NFL, bring him down, get a loan from the NFL, right? An NFL, that's how it works. The NFL has a, has a player in waiting, the third quarterback, but they really like him. They'd like to see him play. Hey, I'll pay you 250K, loan him for the season. He's going to come down, play for my level team, second level. You get more football for everybody, which everybody liked. Yeah. Now, it, it works just like the Premier League works. But the problem is, is that why would you ever MLS is doing the same thing that NFL is because they see that model. And frankly, the Premier League, because most of the owners are now Americans, tried to do the same shit recently and make that Super League. Let's do let's take the model and let's do that shit over here. And basically what the fans did. Oh, hell no. Yeah. You are not doing that over here. So it's basically like, yo, the money is just too good, man. The, the security is too good. It's 
Socialism. It would really it's a socialist performance. It would really be such a shock to the system of I think like American sports fans to be like the Braves got relegated. Now now like the the Durham Bulls are gonna be in the World Series. Like, but there is something I mean, I I know that like I'm I'm not a huge soccer fan, even by the by saying soccer, I'm revealing something in myself. But like there is something I really like about that system of like, yeah, if you suck for five seasons, you don't get to be in the top league anymore. Someone else could be it's right. like the conversation people have where they're like, could the could the Alabama Crimson Tide beat the Jaguars? And it's like, well, we would find out if the Jaguars right. are bad enough, then like maybe they and I'm obviously we wouldn't switch with a college, but like the right. idea of that level of competition, I think is uh fascinating and i've never i've never even heard it in the context of american football before and now i'm like i feel like it's all i'm going to talk about in the podcast uh, listen Next, uh, again i'm not, i don't like to talk in absolutes i'm literally just making the point that we are a country that like runs on capitalism yeah. like that is like the thing you know and any talk of socialism rightfully or wrongfully wherever you sit on it it basically, you know, just becomes like, oh, no, no way. But if you honestly analyze our sporting leagues, that is exactly how they're run, bro. It's that's exactly socialism. They are like the epitome of socialism. NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, epitome of it. Yeah. And who do they take to the cleaners? The fans. Yeah. You're paying for the stadiums. You're paying exorbitant amount of prices. You're giving them the TV contracts, you know, and let's not even talk about, I mean, basically what happened for me was obviously I played. So when I watch the games, it's weird. You know, it's like, Oh, cover three, Aaron Rodgers is saying alert, alert. Okay. He's switching to weak side zone. Okay. You know, like it got weird. I was telling like when I, when I had friends and was like watching football with them, I'd be like, oh, here comes weak sides. You know, the Tony Romo stuff that everybody loses their shit about. It's like, yo, bro, all four, all quarterbacks are sitting at home and Tony Romo's getting all this money, right? And and largely because he's like guessing plays. Yeah. And I can guarantee you, I know I could call like a gazillion dudes and do like a quick straw poll and be like, bro, like, welcome to Everyone know like everybody can do that. Like we, we don't understand what the cool thing about it is. We wouldn't want to know what the play was before it happened. How does that make it more enjoyable? But he got like a lot of street cred off of that. More power to him. Like I'm happy for him. But the point is, is like if you're the point of watching sports is you don't know what the fuck's gonna happen next. Yeah. Like it's live. It's cool. Like this is gonna be. But it. it, it I mean. I remember I got cut by the Seahawks and I was in the stands with my dad because he came and I got cut and it was like weird. I'm in the stands with my dad. And Holmgren, you get past the 50, you get cover three. He's he's running uh, X shell across, you know, like it's, I mean, look it. Yeah. So I'd just be like, yo, dad, you're a vicious 20 yards, left sideline, here it comes. Because I was like super high up, see the coverage, know the formation. And this dude taps me on the shoulder. He's like, can you please stop doing that? <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah. Dude, you're like, it's like watching The Sopranos with somebody. You're at the finale and they're like, cut to black. We don't know what happens. You're like, dude, <laughs> <and> watch it. <laughs> exactly. So um, so anyway, that's, uh, 
I don't know where we were. We 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 were having a lot of fun, so we're getting off topic. But um, I'll let you get it back on. Well, this is what I'm going to do because we're in an hour, and I think I told you 15 minutes when I first said do my show. So I want to. I actually want to wrap it up here because I don't want to take too much of your time. But I mean, dude, I I, I thought we were going to make jokes about you know you beating Brooks Bollinger. Uh, <laughs> was it Brooks Bollinger? Who was the quarterback at Wisconsin when you guys beat him at home? Oh yeah. Uh, I think Brooks, yeah, Brooks Bollinger, yeah, uh, yeah, Brooks Bollinger, and I threw it over Jim Leonard, who's now a good friend. He's the defensive coordinator at Wisconsin, and uh, he ended up coming to Buffalo, and that was funny. But yeah, Here, I, I think once we once we stop recording, I'm going to ask you for the emails of every single quarterback you play. <laughs> we'll see how comfortable you are. Uh, look, man, before we uh, before we hop off, I want you to tell my listeners where I mean, you're, you're, you're going to be the first quarterback to get the bring in the backups bump. And it's a big bump. Oh, I think you're going to get at least three uh, fat Republicans from the middle of the country to buy a T-shirt from your website. Minimum. <laughs> so you tell my listeners where they can find your stuff, how they can support your creative endeavors right now. You know, I, to be honest with you, man, here's what I'd say to that. I spent a lot of money to buy Jabron.com. So there you go. I spent a lot of money to buy that. Jabron.com. If you want to look at shit, see what I've done. But other than that, just keep supporting Eric, man. I mean, I'm good. Like, uh, I gave up my phone a long time ago. Fuck these social media accounts. They're ruining everybody's lives. Please don't follow me. Jabron, uh, stop, if, man. If, stop. if you want to, e- if you want to email me, you want to, you want to email me. It's Jabron at Jabron. If you like, want to chat or something, or you had fun, but like, take all that energy, give it to Eric. He needs it for this show. Like, I'm good, bro. I am good, uh, dude. So seriously, like, take all your energy, support this dude. I watched his clips. He's pretty funny. The death skit on America's Got Talent was fucking great. They just didn't get it. And I don't, I think the whole, the point was that they weren't supposed to get it. It was like, it was like double entendre funny. Like it was like you had like transcended something there. I mean, I just, so I appreciate the work you're putting in. I know the tough slog you are under to make it in a creative industry. Um, where the masses are now responsible for your success and you have to trust mass appeal, which God bless you, I've been there for 12 or 15 years and mass appeal is totally not worth it. Um, So just support Eric. He's going to need the help. Maybe think this is the worst. This is the worst maybe. plug anybody's ever done on the show. <laughs> you plug yourself at all. You started by complimenting me, and by the end, you're convincing me to start a graphic design website. What the fuck? <laughs> Just tell people where to fucking buy a t-shirt, Jabron. I'm not selling any t-shirts. I'm not selling any t-shirts anymore. I've, I just stopped selling clothes. It was. Uh, I sold. I sponsored a PGA Tour golfer. I had a clothing line. It did really well. And then you realize, like, nah, made in America, isn't that great? Because your margins suck. And at the end of the day, the consumer just wants Chinese stuff, man, because it's cheaper. Yeah. And it was all limited edition. And, like, at the end of the day, that's not how you make money. So the ways to make lots of money 
just not i'm not suited for that bro i'm not suited for that so the point is the reason i would be giving myself a plug is that i had some belief oh that that plug would lead to making money but i already have traversed that for the last 12 to 15 years yeah that what i'm doing is never gonna do that and so therefore let's not waste everybody's time because everybody's time is valuable and Instagram's gonna be dead in five to 10 years anyway. We're building all these platforms for them to just fucking then suck and sell us ads. So the point is, follow Eric, follow his podcast, tell other people about it. And then one day when he has Tom Brady on, everybody, not everybody, nobody will remember. But as a footnote, Eric will be like, you know, I'm gonna shout out to Jabron Hamden all the way back 2021. And he was the spark lighted this show <laughs> and i'll be off in morocco or something sipping something like not giving a shit about anything and somebody in the pub will be like oh you got mentioned in the bringing the backups podcast I'm like oh really shit so to, to, to boil that down <laughs> for my listeners uh <laughs> Support Jabron by by closing your eyes and sending him a positive vibe, or emailing him and telling him you had a you had, you had a good time listening to him on the podcast, dude. I did not think we'd be talking about Moroccan soccer and nine eleven racism for forty five minutes, but it turns out <laughs> this conversation went a very different way than I thought it would. I would love to have you back. I want, next time, I want Lisa on there too. Like, don't, I want the feminine energy as well. Who the fuck is Lisa? Liz. Not Lisa. Liz. Liz. <laughs> Liz and you, and I want some of that feminine energy. It could be like a little bouncing, you know? You can get into like a lot more stuff. I'm, uh, but, I'm, she's going to be thrilled that the biggest guest that I've had on my show so far is calling, her, her, calling for her. Well, no, none to say her name wrong. No, I'll leave that part out. No, but just that she's asking. Because here's the deal. The, the most feedback I get on this show, like 90% of the feedback is just, why isn't your wife on more often? And I'm like, it's my fucking show. She just walks in and like starts talking to me off mic and people are like, more of that. More, more of you guys bickering about something that happened that week. So this is this is good. Uh, this is good to reaffirm. That's actually a compliment to you, though. You do know that, right? Of course. Yeah. No. Yeah. Right. We, we, we play it up, but like I, I, we have a very fun, you know, we're a great couple. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. You marry the right girl. Good for you, man. It's fucking basically top three decision, top three things of your life. And you knocked it out of the park. Good for you. Hell yeah, man. That's it. Yeah. That was, that's the best thing. I, that's the best thing I've done so far. There you go. So that's why you should have her more, uh, more often. That's why your voice changes a little bit when she's on the show. She's kind of hilarious. It's kind of funny to hear her shit about football. But, like, obviously, the part that I'm excited about is, like, next time we can talk more about football. And, like, honestly, she'd probably be right about more things than everybody thought she would be right about. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. because of her perspective being so far removed, like, I would want to draw out, like, she, you know, we'd be, be like, oh, why do you run cover two? You know? And I would just, like tell her what cover two was. She's like, oh yeah, to throw it there. <laughs> and then you would go on to this whole thing, like, oh, cover two, this is why you want to attack the safety. And like, like, yeah, not really. She was kind of more right than you were. It would be, you know? it would be fucking infuriating. When she, when, uh, when I do, uh, so I got her on a, a couple stand-up shows back in New York uh, okay. just because I was in at a couple clubs. 
And she would come up and be like the second or third funniest comic on the lineup, having done it five or six times. And like not that much less funny than me. And I'm like, if she even tried a little bit harder, she would be, she would surpass me so quickly. It was like, it, to be honest, I'll, I'll, I'll tell this story real quick, but uh, she's an actor and she, that's what she spent her whole uh, career doing. Like, you know, high school, college, that's what she wanted to be. And then when we got together, we were, we were both doing improv and I guess I just got, somebody saw me in a improv show and like had me auditioning. I got, got to audition for like Book of Mormon and uh, Boardwalk Empire, all these shows back in New York. And I'm not an actor. I didn't consider myself an actor. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I don't really care about this stuff. Like I, I like the day of the audition, I'd be like, hey, what is Boardwalk Empire? Is that like a, is that like an old show? She'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? Like I've been working my whole life. It was driving her insane to see me getting these opportunities that I was not appreciating. But yeah, the same thing has kind of started to happen with stand-up where I'm like, she even puts the slightest amount of effort in. I'm going to watch her getting booked. She's going to be like, yeah, I got into this JFL festival in Montreal. I don't know if I want to travel to Montreal. <laughs> what is Edinburgh? Like she would just be shitting all over things that I've been <laughs> right. for my whole life. Moral of the story is try less hard. <laughs> well, I don't know what the fuck to make of this interview, dude, but thank Everybody, just right now, everybody for the next week, just do less. Just do less. Like that show, like Paul Rudd would say on the surfboard, like do less. Try less hard. It works. It just works, man. I mean, take it for somebody who works, like tried really hard for a long fucking time. Right, so clearly we've, got, clearly we've gotten Gibran at a, in a downturn in his life. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, to stop trying. Look, uh, brother, thank you for doing the show. Yeah, man. We will definitely have you back anytime you want to be on. And uh, yeah, man, this was a blast. All right, sounds good, man. Take care. All right, later. Thanks for listening to the show. If you'd like to support us, Visit erichelwig.com, where you can follow on social media, join the newsletter, visit the merch store, or email me directly. If you're on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, rate us five stars and write a review. If not, just subscribe from your preferred podcast platform. Lastly, if you know someone who would enjoy our content, please tell them about the show. That's erichelwig.com for all things backups, and we'll see you on the next episode.